Welcome back into the Yahoo Fantasy Hoops podcast. Uh, this is the first one of 2020. Holy cow, new year. Um, new year, new podcast. That's what I always say. Um, I hope that uh, the new year is treating you well so far. I am, of course, merely Andy Barons. I am joined, as ever, by Dalton Del Don, uh, fully accredited and licensed fantasy hoops expert. Dalton, how are you? I don't know about that, but I'm um, doing well, Andy. Happy New Year. How, how's it going? How's the Barron's family? Happy New Year to you. Uh, we're good. We're good. We're still at the at the family compound here in Florida. So I'm not in my usual podcasting center. There may be some distractions. There's multiple animals, some small children around, um, but it's all good. It's all good. I had the perfect New Year's Eve, by which I mean I was asleep by 1030. That's how it ought to, ought to be for everyone. Um, I can only wish you the same. Yeah, I tried my best. I made it. I think I might even had to set an alarm to wake myself up, but I, I watched the ball drop. Of course, a three-hour delay for me in the West Coast anyway, and then fell immediately to sleep right at midnight. So yes, we're old. Uh, that, that's, the, that's the story <laughs> here, and it's, it's sad. It's pathetic, but what are you going to do? Did you keep the kids up? No, absolutely not. They couldn't. They got, yeah, you know, we, we kept them up to the to nine o'clock to try to watch the East Coast feed. You know, we played like that was, uh, you know, it was midnight there. So we yeah. did that. They didn't now awake. They make it any later than that at this age. That's that's the thing to do. Just show them the, the East Coast ball drop and then you're then you're good. It's It should be easy on the West Coast, actually. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, I've done the to Tahoe with a million people when I was younger back today, walking this, you know, walking outside and in, in Vegas and all that stuff. But uh, these days, I'm definitely home and, and, and usually asleep before midnight, although I did make it this year, but just barely. Vegas is a nightmare, right? On New yeah, Year's? Yeah, I mean, you can experience that stuff once or twice or whatever. And, and, yeah. and it's fine. And it's fun. But yeah, it's just pretty much a nightmare. All those people, man, the older I get, the more I'm just isolated. The people are the worst. <laughs> That's how I think of you. You and I are also trapped um, in a playoff fantasy football draft right now. I know you've got yes. multiple dra- multiple such drafts going on. Uh, it, we're, we're in one with you, me, uh, Funston, Evans, Pianowski, and Tank. It's been pretty fun. Uh, but you must be buried at one end of it because I believe we're like, I don't know how many rounds in we are right now. Seven, eight rounds. You still haven't taken a quarterback. That seems bold. Yeah, usually in, in, in the fantasy format, quarterback score you the most. So you want to get those that play the most games. But I was at the end of that draft. I got Michael Thomas and George Kittle. Come on, in, in what is it, only half PPR. But I am sad I don't have as many Niners in this one. I'm in a couple other leagues where I just loaded up. But uh, yeah, I mean, we could talk about those one seed Niners if you don't want to talk hoops. But uh, I can go in there all day. No, they're fun. Um, the the Niners are actually a fun default team for me because I I feel like yeah, Kittle. Yeah, I feel like I can jump on board um, uh, George Kittle's team without like I have some credibility there. I can do that. Yeah, I know you do. And a tragedy with Bethard too. Something happened with his brother got oh, stabbed. Terrible it's awful. So I know. Or I know you do have connections there. It is true. You're not just saying that. You do have. The Iowa connection. I'm also still celebrating. Um, man, I love that we're rolling into 2020 with the Iowa Hawkeyes as your um, world champions of the Holiday Bowl. I'm pretty excited about that. <laughs> I probably didn't do enough celebrating last week. Um, let the record show that I am still excited about that. We're gonna get uh, we're gonna get into our starting five in just a second here. I promise we are gonna actually discuss hoops. Um, I, I would feel bad if we did not mention the passing of David Stern, which uh, w- which of course happened on Wednesday. Uh, Stern was the NBA commissioner from 1984 to 2014, which is just an amazing tenure. Um, obviously, a, a 
central figure in the growth of the league. He's a Hall of Famer, an absolute legend. Really sad news. Just as a, a fan, you know, I'm not, I never met Commissioner Stern myself, but I just know that like if you were at a game and he was in the building, that felt like the biggest thing in the world. Uh, uh, just uh, an incredible figure in the sports history. He became commissioner in... 1984 had been the league's general counsel uh, since I believe 1978 or 1979. So again, incredibly long tenure. Um, his timing was amazing because he began working for the league at the exact moment that um, Larry Bird and Magic Johnson were entering it. Right, and then he and then he began as commissioner at the moment that the greatest player in NBA history, at least to that point, and one of the greatest athletes of the 20th century, Michael Jordan, was coming into the league. So again, incredible timing. Um, can't I mean, nobody is going to get everything right over 30 years at a job, but uh, his legacy is, is really incredible. Uh, without him, there's no WNBA. There's no globalization of the NBA. When, when he took over the league, when he first started with the league, the NBA, it's incredible now to think that there was a time that the NBA finals, even with Dr. J in them, was aired on tape delay nationally. That's nuts to me. Anyway, the league is a thousand times healthier uh, or was a thousand times healthier when he retired than it was when he took over. I was looking up uh, just for fun. I was looking up like franchise values from the from the 70s and 80s. And uh, the I think the point that illustrates this best is that the the Chicago Bulls, my team, um, were were last sold for sixteen point two million dollars in nineteen eighty five. They are they are currently worth something like three billion dollars. So uh, that's where the health of the league is now. Yeah, I know there are a handful of obits out there that are far better than anything I could say. David Aldridge has a terrific one in particular. But uh, yeah, so Stern, sad to see him go. Was, uh, yeah, no, he he was awesome. One of the best commissions. What, what more can you say? He, I, he I, feel, I feel like in our lifetimes, um, maybe the only the only career of a sports executive that might rival his is like Pete Rozelle. It's kind of the same kind of the same 30 year arc, right, where the the growth of the sport and the health of the sport um, was just so different at the time that he left it versus uh, uh, when he started out anyway. Just an incredible career. Um, I, I, I've hardly got. I have a ton of respect for the man. You, you wish for all, if for everyone, that you'd get a little bit more time in retirement than he did. But what an amazing, uh, what an amazing life. And yeah, there's been some great stuff. We'll get into that uh, a little bit later. There's been some incredible pieces written uh, already in the in the aftermath of his death. But uh, for now, let's let's dive really quickly into our into our starting five. I feel like we have a very natural place to begin uh, with a player that I am somewhat invested in this year, Carl Anthony Towns. Um, he was, uh, at least in my view, the safest of all those of all those possible first round, like top of draft picks. I, I found Towns to be just about the safest of them. He had only missed five games in his entire NBA career entering this year. He has now missed his last eight. Uh, he has now missed the last eight games for the Timberwolves. Uh, he's got a, a knee injury of it's still of, of basically an unknown nature. We thought it was, I didn't think it was much more than a bruise when it, when it happened, but here he's, he's missed eight games. Now he has, according to various reports, he's ramped up his on court work. I suppose that's good. Um, but we still don't have an ETA on towns. We know that, uh, Gorgie Dang has been great in his absence, not quite towns like, but he's been really good for fantasy purposes. The team is kind of a big hot mess right now. I don't know. What are your thoughts on towns? Is he a, is he a buy low? 
Yeah, it's just interesting. You said he's been such a durable player, but for what it's worth, he's looked really engaged and super excited rooting for his teammates on the bench. I don't know if that means what that means about his unhappiness, but he's definitely a trade candidate. Even rumors with my Warriors having their their eyes on him. But um, yeah, Gorgie Jang is the guy. I, that's what I did in the pickups video. Go pick him up. His percentage is finally creeping up there. He had 20 rebounds Monday night, dealt with some foul trouble Wednesday night. But this guy's been the number 21 fantasy player of the last two weeks. Maybe his fantasy value evaporates the second Cat comes back, but this knee injury keeps going prolongs. And I, I kind of uh, equated it to a, a backup running back in fantasy football. If you're in a league where you don't have to start guys every daily transaction, if you're in a weekly yeah. transaction, a bench guy like Jang is the guy you should be holding on to because, uh, I mean, there's a ton of upside if this Cat injury does linger. So what do you... What do you make of the I, I you're right there has been some trade talk tied to him. He's in he's in the first year of a of a 5 yeah. year deal. So there's no like the the team I mean the clock is always ticking in the NBA, right? So uh, I I suppose in some sense um they have to entertain the possibility. But the first year of a 5 year deal, like he's yeah. still got I, I don't know, 120, 130 million dollars left on this deal, right? Like they're they're you know, again, clock is ticking. But it's a it's a long clock, right? Like there's a lot of ticking left to go. And I can't imagine he's going to seriously be on the on the block for the Wolves this season. But we kind of have gone from the situation where how quickly can the Wolves make a make a run at D'Angelo Russell? You know, can they can they deal for him to maybe now the Warriors are are seeing what cards they have uh, if they want to make an effort to acquire him? Yeah, but how extreme can this new NBA get, uh, you know, switching teams? I mean, what is a long-term contract? <laughs> yeah. If you're right, year one, we're already talking about this, so stars just can play wherever they want. I mean, this could just be an extreme example of the beginning of that. Yeah, pretty crazy. I've also seen the... I've also seen the Knicks link to him, and I'm sure the Knicks would, sure the Knicks would love to add him. Um, I can't imagine what the Knicks could actually throw together in a package that uh, that is sufficient to acquire him. Anyway, uh, just a crazy turn of events for for him. I like. I think if I were feeling kind of gambly, and I don't like, you'd have to make a pretty respectable buy low offer. It's not like somebody's just going to take you know, uh, uh, you know. Three fives for a fifty uh, in a in a deal for Carl Anthony Towns at this point. You'd have to make a pretty strong offer, but um, he, he is someone that I I think I would actually look to acquire. It I think it works in his favor a great deal that uh, he has been so durable over the course of his career. Like I feel like when he comes back, he's he's fully back. I I don't feel like I'm going to have to worry about him necessarily sitting out back to backs. I don't, I don't feel like we're going to have to worry about that team shutting him down late in the season. He has always wanted to play through the, you know, kind of run through the tape, play to the play to the right. finish of the season. So right. I feel like he is a bit of a buy low. Yeah. My advice is to hold Jang in all formats, even if you have him or yeah. not, but yeah, cat could return soon and then just be a total monster top three player and not miss a game down the stretch. Too. I mean, that's obviously right there in the range of outcomes as well too. So I'm with you as far as a buy low, if it's possible. Okay, um, topic number two, we're going to talk about another ambiguously injured big man. Um, Christoph Porzingis listed as questionable for the game on Wednesday night. Uh, Rick Carlisle said there's no there's no timetable for his return. He says uh, we'll see. So I like what's your panic level here? He was like this injury um, flared up. Uh, the knee pain flared up like going through warm ups a couple nights ago. So this wasn't. This wasn't necessarily on the radar until all of a sudden he was a DNP and now and now we don't have an ETA. By the time people listen to this, maybe he's already playing again. Uh, you know, maybe he plays on Thursday night. But uh, what, what's your level of worry here? Yeah, so I believe it's not the same knee that he tore his ACL, which is great news. But 
fantasy owners and myself don't like to hear there's no timetable. That just seems scary right. and like indefinite, out indefinitely. Those are words that always seem scary. Um, but yeah, we're just doing, we're guessing here. Uh, Luca's already passed James Harden for the league lead in usage rate. So I don't know how much better he could, he can even be. Tim Hardaway's hurt right now. So in the front court, I guess Dwight Powell and Maxi Kleber. He's actually been strong during his starts this year, and he gives you rare gives you the rare combos of the blocks, threes, and free throws. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think we're just really kind of guessing here, but uh, hopefully Porzingis is fine. You know, he was a monster when he was playing, so um, hopefully he's okay. But it's definitely a concern. Yeah, Kleber's the guy I wanted to shout out. He he got thirty five minutes in. Uh, I think it was on. I think it was on New Year's Eve in relief, more or less, of Porzingis, went 14-14, basically put up a line that that looked like something that you might have reasonably expected from Porzingis. Uh, so pretty good player, somebody who could maybe deliver, I don't know, 90 cents on the dollar as a replacement for Kristaps, still widely available in Yahoo League, so that's maybe one guy you can run out and get. Yeah, Kleber's widely available, like 27% last I, I checked, and he, uh, yeah, definitely, for sure, if this turns into a long-term thing, too, he'd be a guy you'd keep on your roster permanently as, as long as KP's out. So for topic number three, let's let's just throw together a whole bunch of whole bunch of uh, first half fantasy busts together. And uh, how about how about you rank these guys in terms of second half value? And we'll include Porzingis in this. I feel like we got to talk about Blake Griffin a little bit. Um, Mike Conley has the hamstring injury from hell. No ETA on him. And um, I'm going to throw Zion Williamson into this as well. He has reportedly returned to practice. He's done a little bit of on-court work. Um, we'll see where that goes. Um, what are your thoughts on those four players right now? Yeah, this is a tough homework assignment. Um, I'm going to go Porzingis one. He's been so good over the last month, and hopefully this is not serious. Again, it's not the ACL tear knee. I'm going to go Zion two. Because Conley and, and Griffin are dealing with injuries, and man, Griffin, what is his deal? He's just been bad even when on the court. I mean, he's dropped in some 14-team leagues, I see. I mean, so, so that's what I went with. KP1, Zion in the upside, and then and then Conley and Griffin a distance behind those two. So what, what are your thoughts, Barry? Yeah, no, that's that's probably about right. Um, I think Zion has to be. There's at least positive news on Zion right now. We feel like, you know, we've we've come past the point that uh, where Reggie Miller scared us into this idea that he wasn't going to play at all this season. It seems like seems like he's definitely going to come back. Don't know if he's going to play in back to backs or not, but it seems like January is at least a real possibility. And on a per-game basis, yeah, totally going to miss some games and whatever the minutes are yeah. going to be there. But a per-game basis, it's good to just be immediately a top 30, I mean, whatever, top 25 player immediately. I mean, yeah, I mean, and I, again, I don't want to get too panicky on Porzingis because it could very well be that, you know, he he, he plays within the next couple of days and then there's nothing to fret about. Um, Blake is Blake is definitely a season-long worry. Like, he yeah. he's just going to miss um, multiple games over long stretches. The, the team has got real choices to make about um, w- whether they just try to convert Andre Drummond, who's been great, into um, into future assets. Uh, they've, they've got some interesting pieces on the bench. And Christian Wood, um, he, he could be a thing if uh, if Blake just shuts it down and if Drummond is dealt. Um, so they've got some interesting pieces there. They need more. Um, but but Griffin, to me, seems like a pretty clear candidate for an absolute shutdown. I probably could have thrown... Brad Beal in there as well. He just came back from injury, but it's hard for me to see exactly what Washington, uh, uh, like what, what is the value of, of really running Beal into the ground over the balance of the season when you are presumably playing for a draft pick. Yeah, that is another good one too. Boy, that team is so fun with the pace and bad defense and just to pick up yeah. uh, on the waiver wire every other day. But um, I'd still probably rather Beal above all of them. But uh, man, Blake Griffin, just what a, what a disappointment. And you're right. He's a, he's a, 
shutdown candidate for sure. And we'll talk about this later when we talk about the all-decade stuff. But the rookie season he had to where we are now, you know, oh. pretty, pretty disappointing. Pretty disappointing stuff. Uh, even honestly, even his season last year, um, especially the way he got out of the gates, um, was just tremendous. I like you certainly hope that we haven't already seen the best of Blake Griffin. It's possible that we have um, his athleticism isn't I, I mean, he was he, he was almost a superhero when he came into the league. So that's not even that's not even fair to compare an NBA veteran to to the guy that, you know, Blake was uh, when he initially hit the league. But he, you just really hope we've got some great seasons left still. Yeah, even on a per game basis this year, though, he's just not been the same yeah. close, the same rebounder or even the assist that we saw the uptick last year. Obviously, Drummond's a problem with the boards. But yeah, but big, big decline going on with, with Griffin. Well, let's hit uh, let's hit an ascending superpower in the East, Dalton. Uh, let's talk about the Knicks a little bit. They're fun all of a sudden. Uh, six and six under Mike Miller. They have won their last three games. Um, they have not necessarily been degree of difficulty matchups, although they just beat just beat Portland. Um, just beat Portland in a game when Carmelo was pretty good. Uh, Julius Randle had a huge game. 22 points, 13 boards. Uh, Mitchell Robinson had a had a crazy game. Hit all of his shots from the field. 22 points. Um, his his game included one of the highlights of of the week so far. He caught a crazy alley oop that I, I don't know must have been thrown about 12 and a half feet in the air. Converted that. Uh, what are your What are your thoughts on the Knicks right now? Uh, any of this sustainable? Should I worry about them uh, seizing the eighth spot in the Eastern playoffs from my Bulls? You definitely should be worried as a Bulls fan, but I don't think I like Julius Randle's shootings maybe sustainable, but man, it just seems like uh, that the the light went off there as soon as the coaching change happened. So big, big improvement from Randle. Uh, Mitchell Robinson still not starting. That's that's frustrating. I, I believe I heard a report that they're having him run sprints per fouls or something. I think that's helped him stay out of foul trouble somewhat. And uh, he went 11 for 11 that last game. So hopefully yeah. that will put him in the starting five because he's the guy that fantasy owners want to unleash. But Whatever the coaching change has done, it's certainly been an improvement. I mean, obviously, it was starting from a low point. But, uh, yeah, that's definitely helped helped the Knicks. Yeah, the last five games from Randall, 22 points, 30, 33, 35, 20. Uh, it's been an incredible string of games. And he's, he's basically eight, nine, sometimes double-digit rebounds each night. Um, he's been terrific under Miller. Yeah, no, he's been one of the bigger fantasy busts, too, before that. So, yeah. good. Glad to see it happen. Now, now let's, now let's get Robinson in the starting five. Yeah, the general, I mean, the general mess of that team still exists, right? Like, they still have to make a deal. They have that incredible, like, they were just hoarding power forwards weirdly in the offseason after after striking out on stars. So they pretty clearly still need to make a trade. Um, so that, let's allow that to transition us into the fifth subject in our starting five, and that is uh, kind of generally trade season. We are, we are theoretically, at least in trade season, hasn't hasn't really been anything too exciting uh, uh, to go down yet, but um, I, I don't know. T- toss out a hypothetical trade or two that you'd love to see. Well, I'll just throw some names. I'll just talk about Cat. Uh, Aaron Gordon is a candidate, but now he's dealing with this Achilles uh, injury. Hopefully that's not too he, serious. He, by the way, just... has just been a brutal fantasy own because um, he's yeah. in, he's out. He, he's got a he's got a super worrisome i mean it's not it's not an injury yet it's just heel pain but it's achilles related he's obviously frightened by it the team is obviously being super cautious anyway durant's gonna make everyone with calf injuries or anything yes. like that they're gonna make teams super cautious after we just saw what durant yes. did on a national stage i mean so for sure but wouldn't you like to see him traded then because you said he was so frustrated so like he seems like a change of scenery type guy you know so absolutely um, <laughs> he was a thought kevin love and miles turner i mean sabonis is just so good in indiana so couple big men there and this is for selfish reasons steven adams 
I mean, free Nerlens Noel. I'm going to have him in a couple <laughs> places. That guy, he, I looked this up. He's the number 30 fantasy player in nine cat leagues over the last week. It's four games and he's, and he's getting 19 and a half minutes. Yeah. I mean, the number 30 fantasy player in fewer than 20 minutes a game. So make him a starter, give him, you know, whatever, eight to 12 more minutes. It'd be just a total monster. He's quietly developed into a nice player. So Steven Adams for selfish reasons. But those are the basically those big men, pretty much. Love, Turner, and Gordon. I think the two that I would really like to see, um, just for real-life purposes, not even thinking fantasy, um, I, I, I want to see J.J. Reddick get out. I want to see him get out of the the sort of mess in New Orleans right now. I I like the situation that he's got going where, you know, like every team he's ever been on has made the playoffs. Um, obviously, he's not the driving force behind those things, but... Somebody who's perfectly uh, capable of playing winning basketball. He's done it his entire career. He's great in Philly. Um, great before that uh, in L.A. I would love to see him go. Like, the Clippers need him. Uh, or, excuse me, the Lakers need him. Um, there's a home for him, I think, really, with both L.A. teams. But, man, um, the Lakers could certainly use what he brings to the table. Just a just a smart player, always in the right spots. A um, little bit, little bit friskier defensively than we than we may necessarily give him credit for. And um, I mean, they just need more shooting around both Davis and LeBron. So I would love to see that. I would also love to see. Um, I think I'd love to see Kyle Lowry. I don't know if Toronto's going to deal him. I don't know if Toronto's going to blow anything up or deal anyone. But everybody's hurt right now. So I would love to see Kyle Lowry um, move to Miami if that's a possibility. Yeah, Reddick's old team, Philly, could use his outside shooting. And any oh, any yeah. trade that frees up even more usage for my boy Van Vliet, I'm all for. So I'm, I'm okay with that. Lowry yeah, I don't, the, the Lowry thing is is complicated. Um, they added a year to his, dale, his deal um, before the season, which I suppose makes him that much more tradable. Um, but again, like, they're good. Um, if, if Toronto gets everybody back and healthy wouldn't be a bit of a surprise even if they come into the playoffs as a five seed six seed something like that if they were to get out of the first round that certainly wouldn't shock me yeah quick tangent i have og Anunoby in multiple places and and what an opportunity he looked really good in the beginning a huge opportunity with the million injuries now he's not even starting with all the injuries yeah. like what frustrating he's one of the the rare guys who go into the toronto system and they don't get the best of them he's actually regressed here he's been a frustrating fantasy guy yeah, it's a good player, too. It's re- really easy to imagine that if he fell into unlimited minutes, he'd be really fun. Yeah, well, you'd think you'd have him right now, but uh, it's been <laughs> frustrating. Why don't, you, uh, why don't you toss out a few of your... Uh, who are your pickups this week, by the way? We haven't even hit that. We've probably mentioned a couple of them over the course of the show, but uh, who else? Who else should uh, fantasy owners sure. be having? I'll run by this quick. I said pick up Jang. You know, he's still 32% owned, I believe, only. I mean, when starting, 9.6 boards, 1.6 steals, 1.1 blocks, 1.7 threes. I mean, and he shoots free throws well, so grab him. Then the Warriors guys, uh, I believe last pod we talked about Damian Lee, um, Alec Burks, Kai Bowman now in deeper leagues because D'Angelo Russell's an illness, a banged-up shoulder, and that team, uh, you know, like the, the Wizards, just producing so many uh, waiver wire options with a bad defense and, and good pace. Speaking of the Wizards, the other big pickup this week has been Jordan McRae. Um, I did the video. He was 16% owned. Like a day later, he's already 33% owned. So um, he's scored a season high Monday night, and he's just firing up shots at will. So many injuries in Washington. Hachimura's out another few weeks, and Wagner and Bertans also hurt. Bradley Beal, you know, whatever he's dealing with. I'm sure he'll be back playing soon enough at McRae. In that situation, he's a guy. If you need uh, points, uh, Jordan McRae would be my. Yeah, do we my not last even care? Option. Do we not even care about about like Beal and Thomas coming back to that team because they play so fast? 
Yeah, and there's so other few options there. So yeah, there's so many yeah. opportunities. So yes, I mean, and Thomas had a really bad game last night too. But I think if he's available too, Isaiah, I, I would add him too. So I mean, there's Gary Payton and Troy Brown Jr. Those guys too. But man, it's just what a situation in Washington. With it seems like every week I could just use them as as a guy to pick up. Yeah, I had one of those. Uh, I almost added McCray this week, and I had one of those moments that, that occasionally pops up in fantasy where you just like you just stare at a player for too long and you're trying to figure out who the drop is going to be. And you're like, I was so close to pulling the trigger on like, two or three different players. Do I drop Sadoransky? Do I drop, like, who do I drop? And then somebody else got him. Like, <laughs> like I, I just had one of those mornings where I just, you know, had an extra cup of coffee, came back. Hmm. I kind of want McCray. And I just, I just didn't land him anywhere. And here's to my guy, Jonathan Isaac, please be okay. He was stretchered off and we don't know his health right now. I mean, Terrence Ross would see a boost and, Fournier is having a good season, but Isaac has been such a monster. It's so scared seeing that report, you know, stretchered off with a knee injury. So please be okay, Jonathan. Um, yeah, that was, man, that was your guy in the preseason. Uh, he's an example of someone where, like, nobody's just going to step in and fill that role, right? Like, some of those stats. Right. Oh, yeah. No, for sure. Yeah. It's such a unique, yeah, unique role. So, yeah. By the way, the Magic comfortably in playoffs right now at 15 and 19. Right now. So, yeah, I believe I believe the Spurs are, too, though, at like 14 and 18. So I guess, just, I guess you can't really talk about the alignment situation. The, the Magic are just keeping the seat warm uh, for the for my Bulls. That, that surge right, is going to okay. continue. That's that's definitely this. That actually feels like like this may happen, like the Bulls squeak into that that uh, eighth position, um, get just drubbed in the opening round of the playoffs, get nothing out of it and get a terrible pick. That feels like the way the trajectory of this franchise is going. Yeah, well, I hope the Bulls are definitely close to making the playoffs so we can hear your uh, agonize over them because this is certainly not happening with my team. Let's hit uh, let's hit a little just for fun. Let's have a little all decade talk because um, we've been running a lot of these uh, pieces on Yahoo Sports. Best this of the decade, best that of the decade. I think we've run through um, the top fantasy baseball team of the decade, the top football rosters. I did a thing on the top single game football performances of the decade. So let's. Let's like stick with the all decade theme and give me your all decade first and second teams in the NBA. These do not have to be, by the way, for fantasy purposes. This isn't necessarily a fantasy all star team. This is just, uh, you, you know, your top 10 of the decade. Yeah. Yeah, I had to look up this man. I'm such a bad memory, but uh, and also you're not <laughs> you're not making me adhere to certain center rules. I'll take it, but um, no, no, team, like all kinds of flexibility on on. Let's we can go with like Yahoo fantasy position eligibility, which um, okay. is about as friendly as it gets. Well, this first team, I was just the five guys just came out with with Curry, Harden. LeBron, Durant, and then I guess it's a controversial one, but I went with Kawhi. And does that work as a fifth for for a center? None of those play center. So how does that work? Those yeah, are the five ca- that jumped out like, to me. Call out your decade. center there. I feel like you should. I feel like you should be required to go to the center. Yeah, I'm required to put Anthony Davis in there because I think the that's the decade, I think then? that's the right five. If you were yeah. to just name like top five overall of the decade, I I feel like you should try to fit a center in there somewhere though. Yeah, yeah. I guess you got to put Anthony Davis in. Is what you put in. Yeah, so my um, my five, and I was I was thinking a little bit in terms of uh, uh, position eligibility and having to actually fill okay, all your your standard right. positions. Um, I, I think the top four are super easy. I think it's I think it's got to be Steph, KD, LeBron, Harden. Um, they've they've all appeared in finals. They you know they've all got MVPs. Um, that that group is really easy. Uh, I I actually I actually struggle a little bit at center because of, because those first four 
are all so accomplished um, in terms of hardware and in terms of how far they've gotten their teams. Uh, you know, Harden and Houston obviously uh, never passed the Western Conference Finals, but he, he did make a finals appearance with the Thunder. Um, I'm I'm going to go Anthony Davis, but I'll just say that I wanted to go Dirk um, because we came into the decade with Dirk winning a title in 2011. Um, Dirk still had a couple seasons that just in terms of in terms of win shares, not necessarily in terms of point production, anything like that. But his, you know, his first three years or so of the decade were really good. Um, they weren't obviously offensively and defensively. They were not at the level of what Anthony Davis has produced. Um, it's just that Anthony Davis hasn't yet played for a 50 win team, right? Like, so as good as his lines have been, and I mean, I think he led the league in blocks three times during the decade. Like Anthony Davis has clearly been great. He's on my first team. I didn't totally want to do it. I wanted to find a reason to squeeze Dirk in there, but I couldn't do it. That was one of the bigger upsets in finals or any Super Bowl champion uh, World Series history. It really was. I mean, that 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 Heat team, what Dirk did and that Dallas team, I mean, it was impressive. I I mean, that really was impressive. I like that call. Yeah, I think I feel like Dirk is very clearly, you know, a member of your all decade team from the prior decade. Um, he just carried right, a little right. bit of a little bit of that work into a what was really one of the most thrilling seasons in uh, NBA history. I mean, like, like this has been a great decade in the NBA, right? Obviously with the Warriors doing what they did, but like before the rise of the Warriors, it was already pretty damn fun because you had those, those Spurs heat finals, which were great. You had, you know, the thunder, which was just yeah. a crazy team. And um, you had that Dirk season, which was just incredibly, you know, didn't, didn't see it coming. Um, I, the, my, my bulls had the best regular season record that year. It was the first year of the, of the heat mini dynasty and Dirk leading that team to a title was pretty incredible. So he is actually on my second team. Um, I wanted to stick Dirk on the first team. Couldn't quite do it. Couldn't quite build the case for him over Davis, but I did stick him on my second team all decade. And then I think the other four are pretty, I thought the other four were pretty easy there. I've got Chris Paul, I've got Westbrook, I've got Kawhi on my second team and I've got Giannis. Honest. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Those are the only the names I wrote down, and I haven't looked at the uh, the exact dates. But what, the other names that would be on there would be Blake Griffin. Uh, yeah. Looked like he had some numbers, and then maybe what uh, Mello or Wade had probably arguments. Those are the other ones I saw. But uh, those are just you know subjective and picking nits. It feels like. Yeah, I'm looking. I have a table here of the of the top win shares seasons of the decade, and Blake's best would be uh, 2013-14, 12.2 win shares. It's barely inside the top 50, um, so it's good. It's obviously good, and he was great for uh, a sustained portion of the decade, no question. He was close for me. He was kind of in that honorable mention group for me. Um, that you know, you know the thing when you when you look at the uh, the win shares over the course of the decade, the thing that really jumps out is uh, Pau Gasol. Pau Gasol in 2010-11 had 14.7 win shares, which is one of the one of the highest totals of the decade. Like the only guys ahead of him on the list are Harden, LeBron, Steph, KD, and one Chris Paul season. Pau Gasol, just like on the basis of, you know, I suppose we could say that the first title of the decade, right, was the Lakers. Um, so on the on the basis of what he did, like in the first two or three seasons of the decade, Pau actually makes a case for like third team, fourth team, something like that. Interesting. Yeah. Giannis, three all NBAs. Blake had five all NBAs, whatever that's worth. But uh, yeah, I know these are uh, these are all interesting calls. Yeah. I don't know. I got to say for me, the 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 Giannis MVP 
um, really tips it in. And the quality of his yeah. seasons over the last three are just so much better to me than uh, Blake at his best. Blake, Blake, probably the highlight player, at least one of the highlight players of the decade. Um, but Giannis's uh, uh, body of work over the last three seasons is just is just a little yeah, bit no, too much for me. That that that's fair. I, li- I like getting the the highlight. Obviously, I'm not okay. No more arguing for Blake Griffin here. That was a great decade for sure. That was what else, what else happened? The decision, uh, the Ray Allen shot, the Kyrie Irving shot. Unfortunately, in my face, uh, also <laughs> featured that also featured the LeBron block that same game. Um, but yeah, no, that was a, it was a great, uh, great decade of hoops. Not, not to, to make some, you uh, suffer through that game seven anymore, but I feel like the play that we don't, um, we, for whatever reason, we don't recall enough is, uh, the, the blind pass that, uh, Steph Curry blew, um, late in that game, just super painful. Yeah. There's a gif of him doing, using the trophy, throwing the behind the back pass. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Sloppy throwing the, tro- yes, I know. Yeah. Like that ah, was yeah. actually like, it's. It's going to get remembered <laughs> differently, but the final few minutes of that game were just terrible. Oh, the Warriors' the final six minutes was the coldest six-minute stretch of their entire era. Yeah, it was. It was no. That's why they they decided they needed to go bring in Durant after winning eighty-three games. Yeah, nobody could hit a shot, and then it was punctuated by one of the most important shots in NBA history. Yeah. Just a just a yeah. really weird final Sorry, few minutes. And you were there. Yes, and you were there. Yes, yes, I was there right in my face. Sorry, seventy-three games. But yeah, that was uh right in my face, and I and I was there. Do you know the Warriors' record before last season with Durant in the playoffs was thirty and six? <laughs> it's pretty good. In the playoffs, 30 and 6. Is that pretty good? So, yes, I was there for that shot. A lot of good decade stuff. Uh, what want to give us some um, some awards out or something? Yeah, give me um why don't why don't we start with you? Just give me uh I don't know, just for fun, like a like a best of the decade. It could be whatever you want. It could be a best one hit, it could be the top one hit wonder, it could be the best rookie season of the decade. Give me some. Um yeah, I said rookie season, Blake Griffin's look back, he just went crazy. Um, but I'll say bust because uh Oh, My I friend like w- lived at the time in Las Vegas. Well, this is going to be obvious, but he lived at the time in Las Vegas. So he went to this Finley Prep Academy, this high school that just turns out all kinds of NBA stars. So Anthony Bennett was from there and yeah. he joined all the way to number one. Man, if you look at his numbers compared to the other, it's bad. Like he's out of the league so soon. I mean, that's just brutal. He went actually number one. I mean, people remember Greg Oden more, but Bennett, brutal. I'm going to I'm going to give you my um my underappreciated rivalry of the decade. Uh, I, I was just, just right. reading a handful of uh, uh, pieces that sort of walk through the last 10 years in the NBA. Almost every season has a, has a Lance Stevenson, LeBron James incident. Like it's been one of the great rivalry, <laughs> like not a rivalry in the sense that they were, um, they belong to the same tier or those two players are ever like really contending for the same thing. But my God, from like the the from the choke from the choke sign that Lance Stevenson throws his way in 2012 to the to the blowing a kiss in the ear yeah. in in one of the weirdest moments of the decade in any sport um, to actually I did he did he knee him in the groin in 2018 like there's just like there's some incident between those two players at at in almost every season of the decade and it's and it's special and unique and uh like that relationship is just one of the is just one of the greats yeah and lebron doesn't appear to let many people get under his skin either no you know? one I mean, so cool yeah, calm no and one. collected but yeah that that definitely gets him for sure no those are funny obviously the kiss the blowing the kiss is yeah that's definitely a memorable Speaking of memorable gifts of the decade, um, a couple other ones I have. Uh, best one-hit wonder has got to be Jeremy Lin, right? And I looked at his stats, and yeah. he really didn't even like 
fall off. Like he's been a serviceable, fine NBA player, but I mean, just remember, I, I would thought he's going to be such a star, and obviously, it happening in New York and all that. So that seemed like the obvious one hit wonder. Um, biggest breakout. I mean, I guess of the decade would be. Curry winning back-to-back MVPs, right? I mean, no one really saw that coming. And producer Regu pointed out that that 15-16 season was so ridiculous, statistically for fantasy, better than the next best. Yeah, I mean, it was. He compared it to like like having Tomlinson and during his fantasy seasons where he was just you know, all you needed was him. But uh, yeah, so Curry was was another one I'd, I'd say as far as the breakout. What you got, Barons? I'm also just going to throw out my my what if teams of the decade, uh, and they are this is this feels like almost cruelty if uh, if you happen to be a Thunder fan, but my what if teams of the decade, there are two, and one of them is the uh, is OKC of 2012 2013. Yep. If they had just kept James Harden, like if we'd actually gotten to see Harden, Westbrook, and Durant in their primes developed together they'd already made a finals like they'd already made they're a finals. One, up 1-0 up 1-0 on the heat yeah they were Ugh. up 1-0 in that finals yeah all three of those players uh not only win mvps within the within the decade but they are you know Dur- durant's got an argument for player of the decade honestly his best seasons were as good as it has pretty much ever been in NBA history. Harden, um, we can say the same of him. Like, what does that team look like if they stay together? And then my other what-if team of the decade would have to be OKC in 2016-17 if KD just never went to Golden State or if, you know, the weird cap spike didn't happen that allowed KD to go to Golden State. Like, man, um, I, you and I have talked about it not only on pod but but uh, but off before. Like, it's it's not even a question of like every player's got a right to go wherever they want to go and y- you should whatever Katie should have pursued happiness and fulfillment and all that and he you know made the right choices for himself that thunder golden state series was one of my favorites of all time oh, yeah. um it was played at such a high level and when the thunder were really on defensively they were do I felt like they were just doing things to the warriors that nobody had done the warriors had pushed them to a to a level and to uh, a scheme that um you'd just rarely seen played that well and it just would have been man there, there's never been another series in nba history that i look back on and think my god i wish i could have run that back and it it just it's just one of those things that never we never got to see that i i wish we i wish we had i wish we'd gotten Two, three more seasons of a of a Durant versus the Warriors rivalry instead of Durant as kind of a Death Star um, flourish uh, for for the Warriors dynasty. Yeah, Warriors won seventy three games that year, lost Game One um, in that in that series, and Clay had to go berserk in OKC in Game Six, or they lose that series. They had to take Clay just going crazy for a quarter and a half. And um, yeah, that would have been an, an awesome rivalry. And uh, I can't say I'm so sad that that, uh, that, w- that would happen with five straight finals. By the way, the team of the decade, did the Warriors barely ed- edge out uh, your Bulls, I- I'd imagine? But five straight <laughs> finals. One thing I'd say about that 73 wins, uh, Phil Jackson said, you know, no one's ever going to beat that 72 win season. And if they do... I promise you it will not be a West Coast team is what he was what he said. <laughs> it's funny. They were both beaten and, and it happened by a West Coast team. And I get what he was saying. Like, you just look at the mileage. It's so different. Yeah. Yeah. And, no, uh, so that, that's pretty incredible. And that team didn't even win the finals that year. So, I mean, that finals was awesome. I mean, the, 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 the Irving shot. I mean, game seven uh, at the buzzer, a three point shot. I mean, it has to be one of the three yeah. most important NBA shots ever. So, I mean, that's that was a that was a pretty crazy, uh, pretty pretty crazy run there. So, good decade. Russell Westbrook averaged a triple double. Derrick Rose, I uh, got to give you some love. Was the youngest MVP ever this decade, I believe, too. Yeah, Kobe scored that, sixty his last game. So, some fun stuff. I didn't. I didn't even have the heart to include um, 
Derek in my sort of what ifs of the decade, because I mean, there's no question that if Derek hadn't been injured, obviously he's on a Hall of Fame trajectory. Uh, he's probably not now. He's probably going to be one. Of, would he be the only NBA MVP not to make the Hall of Fame? I mean, it's possible. He's playing really well with Detroit right now, but like that doesn't happen too often. And uh, like I'll tell you the other thing, like he earned that MVP. Um, there, there, there is a lot of conversation. Like years afterward, people would look back and say, "Wow, well." there's no question that LeBron was the best player in the league um, at that exact moment. LeBron was barely even in the conversation for MVP. That thing was between Dwight Howard and Derrick Rose. Um, There was enough uh, decision backlash against LeBron, like for for right or wrong, LeBron was barely even in the conversation. I mean, it was, it was obvious at the time, just in terms of value to his team, overall value that LeBron was probably the best player in the NBA. But I mean, we weren't talking about him. We were talking about Dwight Howard versus Derrick Rose. And and Derrick had just a a crazy number of game winners that year. Um, Just uh, like a weird number of late dagger shots to win games. It was a 60 win team. And that, I mean, they, Russell Westbrook might be the only guy that compares to Derrick in terms of just pure athletic explosiveness like if you want to see incredible highlight reel just watch the you know find somebody's condensed version of the the eastern conference finals from like 2011 um like Derek threw down probably two dunks in every game that are just the most they're just the most sick ridiculous things you can possibly imagine He, he did it in half court sets he did it over bigs he like he was just incredible that year, and man, it's I, what a shame! Obviously, that he couldn't stay, that he couldn't stay healthy. Yeah, it is nice to see him back playing uh, well, but uh, yeah, it seems like you have no residual thoughts. Not on, a, on not only playing really well, but like kind of grousing about his uh, playing time lately too. Right, I saw that. Yeah, so here's to the twenties. Is going to be dominated by Luca and uh, maybe Giannis coming to the Bay, maybe something like that. Oh, what do you think stop about it! That? Stop uh, yeah. it! Yeah, so far in this show, we've had Giannis and Carl Anthony Towns going to the Warriors. So that's going to be fun. <laughs> All right. Good, good talk. So yeah, no, excellent decade of basketball. And here's to another one. All right. Our, our, in case you missed it this week, um, all I could come up with because it's been such a big story and it's really all I've been reading over the last 24 hours um, is some of the coverage of, uh, of David Stern's passing. I, you mentioned it at the top. Um, I, I thought the best obit that I've read so far has been David Aldridge's. Obviously, David Aldridge was, uh, had a close working relationship with David Stern, had a long relationship with him, and just wrote a wonderful obit for, um, for The Athletic that, that covers. It begins with sort of a scene of what it was like to really feel the full wrath of David Stern and walks through um, some of the, the biggest moments from a, a complicated career. So I thought that was great. And then um, some of our coverage on Yahoo has just been terrific, too. Vincent Goodwill wrote a great piece, as did uh, Ben Rohrbach. I mean, like you could you could spend an entire podcast on just one of 25 different episodes that came up during Stern's tenure. It's an amazing um, life within a sport. So those are some of the best things that I read on Stern this week. No, agreed. Well said. Go go read those for sure. You know, the other one that comes to mind, uh, I was talking to our producer about, about this just before you you jumped on. Um, Woj's, uh, o- over at ESPN, Woj's, Woj's obit began with uh, a, like a crazy scene of the commissioner just just seething when he realizes that uh, in the uh, in the Durant Odin draft that uh, the the top pick is going to go to either Portland or Seattle or I think Atlanta was in there too and how angry he was and it like it added a little bit of I've never been a big uh, believer in the in the sort of conspiracy theories that have uh, 
that that uh, we're always yeah. attached to to David Stern's tenure, but it added a little bit of suspicion to the you know Ewing lands with the, the next frozen stories. yeah the frozen envelope. Yeah, I also appreciate you getting a shot in at me to let people know that I made you wait. You're waiting on me again today, but I, I appreciate that. <laughs> no, I, I didn't even mean yeah. it that way. It's subtly, like a, subtly, very it's like subtly, a weekly yeah, tradition. Yeah. That's all. Yeah, of course. No, of course. The people, you waited the the people expected. God yeah. knows I expected. Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. All right, man. Good stuff, uh, Andy, and happy New Year's to you and your family and all that stuff. And uh, yeah, good, good talk. Yeah, happy New Year to you as well. Uh, and to all our listeners, we will be back, of course, next Thursday. Please subscribe, write us a nice review on Apple Podcasts, tell a friend about the show. You can send us questions at any time. Uh, follow us all on Twitter at Dalton Del Don, at Yahoo Fantasy. I am at Andy Barons, and that is it for another episode, our first of 2020. We are out. 